0: from Mark's gospel Mark's gospel chapter 1 reading from verse 14 After John had been put in prison Jesus went to Galilee And preach the good news from God. And the right time has come, he said. And the kingdom of God is near. Turn away from your sins and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked along the shore of Lake Galilee, he saw two fishermen, Simon and his brother Andrew, Catching fish with a net. And Jesus said to them, come with me and I will teach you to catch people. And at once they left their nets and went with him. And he went a little further on and saw two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they were in their boat getting their nets ready. And as soon as Jesus saw them, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and went with Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples came to the town of Capernaum. And on the next Sabbath, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. And the people who heard him were amazed at the way he taught. For he wasn't like the teachers of the law. Instead, he taught with authority. And just then, a man with an evil spirit in him came into the synagogue and screamed, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you here to destroy us? I know who you are. You are God's holy messenger. And Jesus ordered the spirit, be quiet and come out of the man. And the evil spirit shook the man hard, gave a loud scream and came out of him. And the people were all so amazed that they started saying to one another, what is this? Is it some kind of new teaching? This man has authority to give orders to the evil spirits, and they obey him. And so the news about Jesus spread quickly everywhere in the province of Galilee. And Jesus and his disciples, including James and John, left the synagogue and went straight to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. And as soon as Jesus arrived, he was told about her. And he went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on him. And after the sun had set, and evening had come, people brought to Jesus all the sick and those who had demons. And all the people of the town gathered in front of the house. And Jesus healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not let the demons say anything because they knew who he was. Amen. Thanks, Robert.
1: It's a a pleasure uh, to be with you again Uh, And uh, over the last couple of weeks I do seem to have been here rather a lot Whether it be Easter Sunday or uh, various meetings and so on So it's good to be here Thy kingdom come, that's it Actually I could sit down now and that is the sermon over Thy kingdom come that's really what I want to get across to you. Thy kingdom come. Have you got it? What is it? Thy come. Wonderful. I like it when, when sermons are effective like this. Let me try and unpack a bit more what is the reasoning behind me saying that that is our sermon for today, our message Big ideas, big ideas, big ideas shape the way that we live. Big ideas shape society. They shape history to a greater or a lesser extent. Now, uh, I don't know whether you know it, but uh, I used to be a history teacher. Uh, I spent 16 years teaching history in secondary schools, uh, and loved it. Uh, and one of the, the, the great things that I enjoyed teaching about was, was 20th century history. And, and one of the things that uh, was, was really big uh, on the curriculum as part of that was the Great Depression. Now you might say, and he got excited about something like that, the Great Depression. I find it just a fascinating time in, in history. But one man in the United States came along in, in all of that terrible time when so many people lost their jobs and lost everything uh, and, it, it, you know, there was a hopelessness about. And one man came about and, there he is, FDR. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And he said, we have got to stop this. We've got to change this. And he said, there has got to be a new deal. And that was his big idea. A new deal. And he changed American society during the 1930s. And he came out with, with wonderful phrases like, the only thing that we need to fear is fear itself. Big ideas can have an impact. Um, a little bit closer to home, you might recognize this man. And he had a new idea, new labor, new labor, whatever you think of that. And just uh, because I, I, I want to be seen as acting evenly here and not taking one party side or, <laughs> That man came and he had his big idea. Which was big society. Whatever happened to big society? Yeah? Big ideas that people have. uh, And they shape the times in which we live. Uh, On on a lighter note, Coca-Cola is the real thing. Forgive me if you like Pepsi instead. Okay? Big ideas. So what was Jesus' big idea? The big idea that Jesus had was the kingdom of God. Uh, And I want to suggest to you this morning that actually... We need to keep coming back to Jesus' big idea. Because we forget it. We we get so taken up with so many other things, good things. We get so taken up with other uh, ideas within the Bible. That we forget the big idea. And the big idea is the kingdom of God. And it's that that should shape the way that we not only do church, but it should shape the way that we live out our faith every day. And if you don't believe me that uh, the kingdom of God was Jesus' big idea, let's look at this scripture. Uh, Luke 4. 43 but he Jesus said I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent so Jesus just told people that he was sent to actually preach to proclaim the kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God is good news the kingdom of God was Jesus's purpose it was his big idea. And if we are Jesus people, if we are followers of Jesus, then the kingdom of God has got to be our big idea as well. So Jesus' purpose was the kingdom of God. But Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. Uh, in that reading that Robert read from uh, Mark's gospel, It says this, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Uh, One of the things that is a a bit of a mystery with this big idea of Jesus is that, is that he, he he actually talks about it in all kinds of different ways, and uh, one of them is is this: the kingdom of God is near. It's near, and it was near because it was Jesus who embodied the kingdom of God. It was near to everybody who could reach out and touch him, to everybody who would receive him, to everybody who wanted access to it. But for others, the kingdom of God wasn't there. Jesus proclaimed it. That was the message that he went around preaching. Mark's gospel, Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel tell us that that is the case. That Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. Or in Matthew's gospel it talks about the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. Jesus proclaimed it. And if it was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. So, are you proclaiming the kingdom of God? You can answer. Yes, that's good. There's three people here who are proclaiming the kingdom of God. We need to take it seriously. The kingdom of God. But Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God. In that passage that we had read, we find that... People were healed of their sicknesses. So we find that uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is healed. And uh, then she gets up and she starts serving them. We find that uh, uh, people brought their sick friends and relatives to Jesus and he healed them. The kingdom of God is all about bringing healing and that's not just healing uh, of physical disease it's healing of relationships it's healing of communities it's healing between nations it's healing bringing god's wholeness into our existence and that is part of what jesus did but he didn't just bring healing and wholeness that reading also said that he cast out an evil spirit from someone. You see, Jesus, in demonstrating the kingdom, overcame, overturned, defeated evil. And on the cross, Jesus showed that evil could And can never win. Um, I love this from Pope Francis. Just to make it a truly ecumenical morning. You've not only got an Anglican here. You've got Pope Francis uh, speaking to us as well. Jesus on the cross feels the whole weight of the evil. And with the force of God's love he conquers it. He defeats it with his resurrection. The kingdom of God is about defeating evil. And the last thing that, that, that I want to, to, to say about Jesus demonstrating the kingdom of God, and there's much more, but the last thing is that he connected with the marginalized, with the outsiders. yet with sinners and tax collectors. He spoke with a Samaritan woman, a woman. He healed a Roman centurion's servant and terrible, terrible, terrible thing, he welcomed children. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God and if it was good enough for Jesus it should be good enough for us we should be about bringing healing wholeness into people's lives in every way using every means that we can whether that is prayer, whether that is using uh, uh, medical gifts, whether that is about bringing people together. And we should be about connecting with the marginalized and welcoming them and accepting them and bringing them into God's family and into God's kingdom. even women and children. And Jesus taught the kingdom. Jesus taught the kingdom. So he proclaimed it, he demonstrated it, he taught it. In John chapter 3, in that wonderful discourse with Nicodemus, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And we have that wonderful dialogue going on with Nicodemus because he doesn't get it and do any of us truly get it? But we have to keep coming back to it. We have to be born again to be able to see, to experience, to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. We have to be changed we have to become a new person in order to step into that kingdom. We have to be born again. And uh, Jesus was about bringing that idea that people had to be born again to each individual who he had contact with and he gave them that opportunity he gave that opportunity to people whether they were fishermen on the shore of Lake Galilee whether they were tax collectors at their booths like Matthew whether they were Samaritan women or whether they were rich young rulers and Malcolm Duncan says the kingdom comes in One life at a time as people are born again. And that's what Jesus taught. And then Jesus, um, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, talks about the Kingdom of God being like a mustard seed. It's small. It's tiny. It starts off as something that you can hardly see. You can hardly grasp. But when it grows, it grows into something that shelters birds who can nest within it. One of the things about the kingdom of God is that it is something that grows. It's dynamic. It's not static. It is not institutional. It's organic. And the moment we institutionalize the kingdom of God, we've, we've lost it. We have lost it. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that grows. And then, again, in a second little parable, uh, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like yeast. It's like yeast. Now, I can't see the yeast in that loaf of bread, but I am so grateful that the yeast is there. Because it wouldn't be like that if the yeast wasn't. And the kingdom of God is like that. You might not be able to, to, to see it, but you can see the effects of it. You can see what it does and that it creates something that is good and nutritious. Because the kingdom of God is like that. And it, it works. And that's what Jesus taught. And then in Luke 17, uh, Jesus says the kingdom of God, and there's different translations of this, "is, is in the midst of you, or it is within you, some other translations say. You see, the kingdom of God is not a place. The kingdom of God is not a political entity. The Kingdom of God is something that binds us together as people. It's about relationship. The Kingdom of God is something that actually we can take into our very beings. And it should affect every fibre of our being. The Kingdom of God, and then uh, Mark um, tells us, and this is the, this is one of the sad little snippets. Mark tells us that Jesus says, "Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of god it 's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. There are barriers. To getting into the kingdom. Things that can stop us accepting God's invitation to be kingdom people. It can be the things that we possess. It can be the relationships that we have. They can stop us entering the kingdom and Jesus wanted us to know that and then lastly in the fact that what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God Matthew 6 10 you'll be very familiar it's part of the Lord's prayer Jesus taught his followers to pray thy kingdom come what did he teach us to pray And where is this kingdom to come? On earth, as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus wanted us to see that actually the kingdom of God is for here. It's for now. It's not just pie in the sky when we die. In that old platitude. We need to pray it, said Jesus. And we need to believe that that kingdom can be here now. It can be here in Lum in 2018. And we should be praying that it's here in Lum in 2018. And in 2019, in 2020. And we should keep on praying that thy kingdom come, Lord. Jesus spoke of the kingdom as being spiritual, spiritual, but it um, was to be realized here on earth. He said that uh, it was to be personal, but it was also to be corporate. It was disturbing. Its values turned the accepted values of society upside down. It was and it wasn't a threat to Caesar. Play with that one. It was about reality it was here but it was yet to come and it was embodied in himself and here's the thing jesus entrusted the kingdom of god message to his followers there from matthew or is that luke it's probably luke isn't it i changed my mind halfway through that's the prerogative of preachers isn't it he sent them to preach the kingdom of god and to heal the sick that was their task so whose task is it today it's yours it's mine it's ours uh, it's 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 not that other person It's ours. And right the way from the start of the church, his followers have taken up the challenge of preaching the kingdom of God. Here's Philip. But when they believe Philip, as he preached good news about... And the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. When he preached the kingdom of God, people listened and were changed. And here's Paul uh, to the Ephesians. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months. Reasoning and persuading. I love the three months bit, don't you? For three months... Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Have you got it? Jesus has entrusted the message about the kingdom of God to his followers, to you and to me. And I want to suggest that we, the church, need to rediscover the big idea of the kingdom of God. Let's rediscover it. Because there are times when we just lose sight of it. We get caught up in the good things that we're involved in. Often they are good. But we've lost sight of the fundamental nature of the idea that Jesus had as his big idea. So we need to receive the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can be within us. We need to preach it and we need to demonstrate it. Just as Jesus did. The kingdom of God is not about place. It's about a person. It's about the lordship of Jesus. And can you, can I, with all honesty, this morning say that Jesus is Lord? It's about a dynamic enterprise. The kingdom of God grows. It's not about an institution at all. So I want you to, to, to this morning, think again about the kingdom of God and what part you are playing in Jesus' big idea. But I want to share, finally, something with you that you may have heard of. I don't know. Has anybody heard of the Thy Kingdom Come initiative? No. Good. That means that I can tell you about it now. And uh, nobody can contradict me. Uh, a few years ago... Uh, The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, uh, thought that it would be good to get Christians praying. That's good, isn't it? And the idea was born that between Ascension time and Pentecost, over those ten days, Christians should be called... To pray, guess what? Thy kingdom come. And although it started with the Archbishop of Canterbury, it's drawn other denominations into it. And it's become a global prayer initiative. And if you Google Thy kingdom come, uh, You should find a symbol that looks a bit like that. Yeah? Thy kingdom come and all kinds of resources. But here is the challenge for us as Christians. In that 10-day period, and this year it's between the 10th and the 20th of May, we as Christians, as members of the kingdom of God, are invited to pray that simple prayer, Thy kingdom come. You can all do it, can't you? It's not hard. It it doesn't require you in spending dozens of hours in preparation for it. You can pray it. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, Lord, in Lum. Thy kingdom come, Lord, in the street where I live. Thy kingdom come, Lord, in my house. And one of the challenges that is part of this is a rallying call to individuals, to families and to churches to pray for the kingdom of God. To pray. And one pledge that we can make is that for that 10 day period that we pray For five people who we know to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Praying that the truth and the reality of the kingdom of God will take root in their lives. It's a simple idea. Five people, five fingers or four fingers and a thumb. And pray for them for ten days thy kingdom come but we'll pray thy kingdom come in all sorts of other ways I want to I, I want to finish there but there's all sorts of uh, uh, resources that go with thy kingdom come and and, and I want to just sh- share one with you uh, this is uh, a discussion between Justin Welby and Pete Gregg, the founder of 24-7 Prayer. And it's about thy kingdom come and praying that prayer. But basi- basically, Pete, it, Pete Gregg, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you. Pete Gregg, I don't know if you, you know, he's he and his family have experienced all kinds of, of difficulties. His, his wife has a, a terrible, debilitating illness, uh, from uh, you know, a, a, a young age, uh, uh, and his life of prayer is not born out of um, seeing you know, every blessing poured out on him. It's rooted in the hard slog of life. And his message is that even if life is tough, we can still pray. Thy kingdom come.